It's the California Wine Country Podcast with Steve Jackson and Dan Berger. We taste, we laugh, we learn. Here's a segment where we usually don't need a bell, but who knows? It's California Wine Country brought to you by Bottled Barn. Tom Simino's back in with us. Dan Berger is, of course, here. And our guest is Remy Cohen, CEO of Domain Carneros. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. we got some sparkling wine we're going to taste, I suppose. Well, let, let's see. Ooh, yes. yes. <laughs> That's the best sound. On Tom, target. Tom has answered in the affirmative there. Dan Berger always brings in a, a wine from his cellar to kick things off. What do we have here, Dan? Lost Canyon, 2009 Pinot Noir. From the Morelli Lane Vineyard. I don't know anything about it. I went online and found the Lost Canyon website this afternoon, but I don't know if they're still in business. So it's a 12-year-old Pinot Noir, and it's in pretty good shape. And, I'd uh, say so. Yeah. It's pretty good. It tastes like Pinot. Tom, what do you think? Uh, I think it's really good. Actually, you know, 09, I'm, you know, I know it's Dan Lay It Down uh, <laughs> Burger, but I enjoy uh, bottle age on my wines as well. And I thought that really had, had some excellent flavor. Yeah, gorgeous flavors. I think Morelli Lane Vineyard is really wonderful. It's a vineyard that has been used by Dan Goldfield for some years for the Dutton Goldfield brand. And uh, it's a it's a pretty terrific wine. And I, I'm surprised that uh, I can't find any more information on the Internet about Lost Canyon. I hope there's not lost. <laughs> yeah, you know, I had not heard of Lost Canyon, so you got me on that one. Oh, this uh, bubbly that we just poured, Remy? <laughs> Tell us about this one. This is fabulous. Cheers. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Um, this is the Domaine Carneros. Ooh, cheers. Brut. It's um, the first wine we actually made when we opened in 1987. We launched with one wine, and it was the Brut. And uh, for those of you who don't know, we are owned by the Tattinger family, and it was their dream to have a sparkling wine house in Carneros. And so they created Domaine Carneros and launched in 1987. That's delicious. Uh, you know, this is, this is the time of year when you should start stocking up on sparkling because, you know, all these, everybody's worried about are we going to be able to ship running out of cardboard and all this other stuff. So I would suggest running over to Domain Caneros over there in Caneros and have the charcuterie plate and go through all of the sparkling wines and some of the still wines. We're going to get some of that a little later. But... Uh, because that is a beautiful tasting room. And, Jackson, have you opened the website? Yeah, but I was trying to order a trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> and it screwed up. It screwed everything up. So I'm back to uh, the Domain Carneros uh, website. Isn't that quite an introduction when you see that? Oh, I mean, that is a beautiful. It's like a castle. So many of you have probably seen the chateau, but it's uh, built in homage to the Tattinger family, Chateau de la Marqueterie in Champagne, France. So uh, that was the inspiration for the building. I mean, it's beautiful. Before we talk more about this sparkling wine, which is, by the way, Quite I, good. I like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not a big sparkling guy. Here he is. We'll see what he has to say in a moment. Talk about the history of Domaine Carneros. Claude Tattinger, back in the day, was importing his wine into the United States along with a family called Co um, Cop family that owns Cobrand. So they were long-term partners, and they would travel around and represent Tattinger throughout the market. And when Claude came to Napa Valley into the Carneros region specifically, he fell in love with the area, and he said to his partners, the Cop family, that someday he would love to open a champagne house in California, in Carneros. And it wasn't until several years later 
they discovered the property that Domain Carneros is located on. They went into a partnership, and in 1987, they hired Eileen Crane, uh, notably known as the doyenne of California sparkling wine. She's had has more experience making sparkling wine in California than anybody else, and she created our first brute. Um, so about 30 years ago, um, in um, 1987, they launched. We've had Eileen on the show maybe five or six years ago. We yeah. had her had yeah. her in. So I'm really she lucky. is a master. She is a master, and um, even though she retired last year and I was super fortunate to take her position, she still stays on and helps with the blending, and uh, so it's really great to have that information being passed down from generation to generation. Harry loves the sparkling. You yeah. can tell from the smile on my face <laughs> that it has hit the palate. I do indeed. Uh, very crisp. Very crisp. Very light. <clears throat> very sharp. And oriented on on the fruit rather than on any production values. <clears throat> the production values are very clearly aimed at capturing California fruit. And it's a 17 vintage, so a lot of times the California wines, you'll see non-vintage. Do you make a non-vintage or is it everything vintage at uh, Domain Canaros? We make almost all of our wine vintage, and not only that, but we go above and beyond in terms of vintage dating, and we follow the French rules, which is that if we put a vintage on the bottle, it ages for at least three years on the lees in the secondary fermentation on the bottle before disgorging and release. So that's at least three years of aging for all the wines. We make one fun bubbly rosé, which we're going to try next, that is a multi... Uh, it's, it actually is a single vintage, but we don't label it. Got it. So it's it's non vintage on, on the on the label. Yeah. The extra the extra year on entourage allows this wine to become that much more sublime as time goes by. And those of us who age these wines, <laughs> that we we love them after about a year and a half after release, rather than immediately on. Everybody drinks them right away. Well, here's a question, because uh, a lot of people will say. You know, we've got this fine bottle of really old something special French champagne. Mm-hmm. I've talked to a lot of the sparkling wine producers who say it's best in the, in its youth. Yeah. How do you? What do you feel? What's Tattinger's kind of feeling on that? Well, I think in the ideal world, the house ages it for you, right? So they get it to the level that it's delicious. But it, to, to me, it also depends on what you like. Um, in fact, because Eileen. Um, was retiring and I was joining. We did a few events where we opened the 1992 Larev, um, which was the first vintage of uh, Larev that she produced. And it was showing like incredible vibrancy in youth. I'm excited to have the 2014 with you guys today, which has six years at least of bottle age before we release it. And so you'll see even more complexity and concentration with that wine. It's delicious. Yeah, this is this is, and it, what's the price on? What's we're the? we're off to a good start because uh, <laughs> um, it, it gets even better too. This is our um, thirty six dollar brew. Wow, you can find it probably at Bottle Barn for even better price. <laughs> <laughs> Ben's over there smiling right now. <laughs> uh, boy, this is boy, it's is terrific. It Absolutely. really is good. I think the secret to this wine, besides the fruit. Is the fact that the dosage, the, the the liqueur de dosage, whatever you're calling it these days, mm-hmm. has been so carefully designed so that the acid and the and the sugar work seamlessly. There is absolutely no way to know anything about the the aftertaste of this wine until you taste it. You have to taste it to understand it. It's a fabulous wine. 
Thank you. And I think that's what makes it this wine really go the distance in terms of food pairing. It's one of the most versatile um, sparkling wines, and sparkling wines in general are really versatile for food pairing. I've talked about this with other folks about sparkling wines and champagne. It's like most people don't think of it with food. It's a celebratory beverage that you will have at New Year's or at weddings, but it really does pair really well with food. So give us some examples of what this would really go well with. I think you could pair it with almost anything, but definitely creamy cheeses, like triple cream cheeses, shellfish, like oysters or shrimp cocktail or things like that, kicking off a meal. Um, I also think that um, the brute pairs really well with things you might pair beer with, so fried chicken and other fried foods, potato chips, caviar if you're getting a little bougie. I love the idea of fried chicken and champagne. Yeah. Yeah, who doesn't? Uh, Worse for me. (laughs) A little little salty, you know, a little salty and fried. Absolutely. Crab cakes. Plus, the one one nice thing is that you can serve this ice cold or you can serve it at room temperature, and it's going to be just as good. It'll be slightly different at at a higher temperature, but it's got such wonderful acidity, you don't need to have it cold. By the way, Eileen Crane... Was last on California Wine Country March 27th, 2017. 2017. Well, not that far back. That's according to Christy Mateo, our L.A. producer, who does uh, all our uh, online stuff. And the podcasts, which you can catch, he takes care of it every week. It's at calwinecountry.com, and you can listen to any of the shows, any of the California wine shows here on uh, The Drive. Uh, Remy, talk about your... Hang on one second. Ah. There's another one. We love that sound. Uh, give us your, your history and how you wound up as CEO of uh, Domaine Caneros. Why do you think it's strange that a Jewish girl from New Jersey is the CEO of Domaine Caneros? <laughs> no. I'm just Jersey? What and, she, and, and she's the only 35 nine. years old. I mean, that's, that's the Plus thing. Ten. <laughs> I don't find it odd at all. In fact, I like it. But tell us your, your history and how you got here. Actually, it's funny because both Eileen and I are from New Jersey. So basically only women from New Jersey are allowed to run Domaine Carneros. <laughs> um, but I, I grew up, as I said, in New Jersey, and but I went to UC Berkeley. I went to Cal for undergrad and fell in love with the Bay Area and uh, decided I needed to stay. So I was researching graduate programs, and I saw that UC Davis has the program for viticulture and enology. I was always social. I love agriculture, plant biology. I love chemistry. I was a science-based major at Berkeley, and I thought, wow, this really combines everything I'm interested in. And so I went to UC Davis and studied viticulture and enology. and. Wow. Uh, Popped over to Napa Valley shortly thereafter and worked as a viticulturist for most of my career. And uh, I think my, my bossy loudmouth um, eventually got me more into management over time. Bossy loudmouth will also get you into radio if you don't watch out. <laughs> I could yeah, see you sitting don't here want with you regularly. This is fun. Trust me, you don't want to be in radio. Uh, Tom? Uh, well, I'll tell you, uh, all these sparkling wines are coming very, very special. Uh, although we've got a little bit of a problem with this happens to be corked. <laughs> so the rosé. The rosé. So oh, we're going to we're going to I know. Well, hey, you know, we're still dealing with what about 1% of wines? It happens. That's yeah. still uh, Tom going into more detail on uh, when a wine uh, is it's corked. corked. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's TCA. You know. It's a it's a a mold that develops in the cork when it get, comes in contact with wine. So you end up with uh, a wine that has a smell. This one is 
just slightly corked. You could probably. This wine is it. so good that you don't. You can, you well, aren't not bothered. Pour him some. He'll like it. Anyway. I trust Dan. What Steve was trying to get you This wine is so good that you don't need to worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they used to say you could put cellophane in a glass and it Ooh. might take the uh, the corkiness out, uh, but. You know, it's oh, such, this is really gorgeous it's, wine. It's such a shame. You've got to see through the cork in this. But the flavors of the, the, the... So there's a Pinot Noir aftertaste on this wine that is just delicious. Yeah, so this is a, a really fun wine. I think uh, one of the things that makes this wine stand out is the beautiful, delicate color. Mm. And um, I, Eileen and Zach Miller, our sparkling winemaker, really dialed in the rosé... Uh, sparkling wine making because they do a little bit of a macerated Pinot Noir lot. So rather than adding still Pinot Noir to the wine, they just do a little bit of maceration and then press the Pinot. So they make a true rosé and blend that in with Chardonnay to make this wine. And so you get a little bit more high tone floral notes, a lot of like strawberry, berry, um, mm-hmm. red fruit characteristics. So it's, I, it's a really I, fun, playful wine. I, you're right, Dan. I like this right now. Corked or not, I don't care. <laughs> no, no, I've been corked and I've been in, in radio for 49 years. So now, Tom, I don't care. What was the first indication to you? You have a very sophisticated palate. So what was the first indication for you that this was corked? Well, I poured it for Dan and Dan goes, ooh. And I poured it, and I poured it for myself. That's how we know everything around here during the wine show. And, and, uh, and Dan just went. Ugh. And I poured it for myself and stuck my nose in and woo. And then I did for Remy, and Remy took two seconds and you went. Yeah, but whoa, I, well, but I always I'm going to take a wild guess and say about 75 percent of the wines that are corked in this country are not noticeable to most Americans. Yeah, I mean we're 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 professionals. We've been in this. I've been in this business for seven, 60 years. So when you're in something for 60 years, you sort of pick it up. Most people don't. Most people don't. That, in fact, that's a little bit of an unfortunate thing because sometimes people say, well, I didn't like this wine because it was corked. Yeah. So it had nothing. It was not a bad whatever brand it was. It was the wine was corked or spoiled of some sort, oxidized. But in this case, the, the wine is delicious. I mean, I think I'm, so. I'm drinking it. Throw that. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, know what I, you know what I wanted to say. So you, you actually, when the Pinot comes, is this all Pinot Noir? So this is 60% Pinot Noir and 40% Chardonnay. And of the Pinot Noir, a small percentage of it, about 20% of the total blend, is made as a rosé so and it's, blended it's, in. So you squeeze it off on the skins and let the color get there. Yeah, we give a little bit, uh, about three days of skin contact before pressing. Because it's a beautiful color. Yeah, the color's beautiful. This is uh, one of our fan favorites, this wine. It's just something that everybody loves. I mean, people love rosé, and then people love bubbles, and then put them all in one package, and it just makes people happy and when, celebratory. When we were over at Canaros this summer, it was we were celebrating my wife and I's anniversary with my sister and, and her husband, and Claire just absolutely loved this rosé. So it was, it was the hit at the table. So it, it's a fan favorite. But this is really not a rosé in the traditional sense of having sweetness this is as dry as the previous wine in some ways but most impressive part about this wine is that it really shows a distinctive difference from the brute and the brute is really got more of that three-year character that additional age on the bottle here you you're getting your richness from the addition of pinot noir that has been intentionally made for the color yes you are exactly right it um it's uh doesn't have quite as much age on it, so it's not quite as complex, but it has a lot of lift, floral notes, and bright fruit character from the Pinot Noir addition to it. Harry, did you taste the rosé? I did. 
and I may not have a very sophisticated palate, but I definitely notice the difference. A little in, in bit, that. yeah. yeah. There, there, it's just a, it's a little flaw, but uh, you know. That's you know. Dan and I don't seem to give a crap. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back to the first bottle. <laughs> well, well, you know, it also goes back to this is a this wine is made in the bottle. I mean, you make a still wine, then you put it in the bottle, and you add the yeast, and it sits entourage for. Uh, Depending on three, at least a minimum of three years. A minimum of three years. And for the bottle you're about to open, it's at least six years. Six years. So this is our new release of the 2014 Larev, which is um, about seven years of aging. Now, right. Larev is, it means the dream, which Eileen taught me about 38 times. <laughs> uh, and it is truly a dream. I have never had a mediocre bottle of Larev. And they always... <laughs> are right there with the very best sparkling wines you will ever drink. Well, thank and? You. Thank you. And there you go. There we come. <laughs> Plus the spectacular bottle that you're using, which is really, really special. Yes, the, the bottle is beautiful. I'll tell the story of Larev. As I mentioned earlier, we started in 1987 with one wine, the Brute, which was the first wine that we tried today. And a few years later, Claude Tattinger said to Eileen, I really would love for you to produce a Tete de Cuvée, a top wine, that's similar to our Tete de Cuvée at Tattinger, which is called Comte de Champagne. And we would love for it to be 100% Chardonnay and 100% grown on your estate. And so she made a few prototypes, and in 1991, he tasted the base wine and said, if you can do this again in 1992, then we're going to bottle this. And so in 1992, he tasted it. He thought it was outstanding. And not only did he say, let's go bottle it, but he said, wait, because I'm going to send you a special bottle. So he had a custom bottle made, which has a cartouche and an emblem of the ram's head that uh, is Carneros. If, if ever there was a replica of Comte de Champagne, it's this wine. Mm. Because Comte de Champagne is 100% Chardonnay. This is 100% Chardonnay. And that is really an achievement. And wow, <laughs> put that in your mouth. I just heard the word Chardonnay. You know I'm going to like it. <laughs> we have Chardonnay. another guest to our studio. Oh, <laughs> Barry Hurst hey, is Barry. here from Bottle Barn. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Barry, your thoughts on uh, Domaine Caneros? Uh, I love it. When it comes to Bottle Barn, you guys, uh, I'm, it seems like I'm ordering it every week. <laughs> it just sells itself. It's my favorite kind of product. Cheers I was going to mention, there's an old bottle of Larev in there right now, too. I bought from a seller, 2006. Mm. People are older, really? older. What's the price on this, Remy? This is 120 Okay. So good special occasion, holiday wine. We could change the food pairings with this one a little bit. It goes really well with lobster. We do our famous Larev and lobster dinners, and that's always a big hit at the winery. Um, also, just like scallop dishes or kind of creamy pasta with shellfish and things like that it's a uh, really great for special occasions i would Since i would just go ahead i would just call it grilled scallops and nothing else mm. just sit there all day long until the bottle's empty and the scallops <laughs> are gone california wine country brought to you by bottle barn tom simino is in today with remy cohen the ceo of domain caneros and, of course, uh, Dan Berger is with us and Barry Herbst from Bottle Barn. Before we talk more about this last sparkling wine, Barry Herbst from Bottle Barn, give us an update. Bottle Barn is still prominently featuring the Harvest Fair wines. They're front and center. Including Seminoles. Yeah, the Seminole wines right there, front and center. All four of them. Yeah. Thank you, thank They're you, there. thank you. 
And uh, still selling quite a bit of rosé this time of year and tons of champagne. We can't keep champagne on the and sparkling wine and pet nat and everything with bubbles in it. Uh, that has become a really busy section for and us. And now you got the holiday season starting, which means a whole different world for you folks. Right. Things really start ramping up. Uh, and we bought a couple cellars recently, which that LaRev 06 was in, and then quite a bit of other older wines from the area, which a lot of the local winemakers are geeking out on when they're coming in there. A lot and, of people uh, don't know that you do buy people's cellars. Yeah, we don't actively solicit it, but we've come across quite a few very well-stored this one we recently got was in perfect temperature control, like Dan Seller, basically, for the last 20 years. <laughs> and these guys were moving to Florida and uh, you know, needed to unload the wine, so we were happy to help. Wow. Have you ever made an offer on Dan Seller? I don't think we can afford it. <laughs> He's been collecting too long. <laughs> I'm reaching an age where I have to drink every bottle, and then if I do, I'll probably be 173 when I finally... <laughs> I would volunteer to help drink it down, though. (laughs) I'm ready to do that. That's fine. Let's do it. You'll make it to 173. (laughs) And I'll be right with you, pal. Good, buddy. (laughs) Uh, Remy Cohen, CEO of Domain Caneros. Uh, Let's talk, Tom, uh, more about this wine that we talked about before the break. I mean, this is truly a remarkable uh, sparkling wine. Yeah, I mean, this, this LaRev, what is it, a 14? What's the it's vintage? It's a 14, it's which a 14. means it has six full years on uh, entourage, as they say. That's right. I always call it in the garage, if you can't remember entourage. <laughs> it was in the garage for that major. If you look at it, it's, it's from when it was the scourge, that's kind of when the clock begins. And the color, you wouldn't think this is a 14 white wine. Because look how brilliant the color is. It's just gorgeous. And when you put it in your mouth, it evaporates. Well, it's a, it's a really interesting process to make a wine like this. First of all, you've got the problem of growing grapes that will, at the point of harvest, will have the acidity that you need for a wine like this. Knowing that about a third of the grapes that you're harvesting can't be used. They just aren't good enough. So you make about... A third of the wine that you're growing ends up in potentially likely to be this, and then you have to start to do the blend. And Remy, tell us about doing the blend. Yeah, the blend uh, process is very meticulous at Domain Carneros. Um, it's led by Zach Miller, our sparkling winemaker, but we've been having the pleasure of having Eileen Crane continue to blend with us, which is just really fabulous and a great learning experience for me. But basically, this is the best of the best, so we choose our favorite lots of Chardonnay. Um, we don't really do what's called the malolactic fermentation with too much of our wine because we like to retain the freshness and the crispness and the acidity in the wine, but we'll let one or two lots go through and blend that back into the final blend for a little richness and creaminess. And then we do the tirage where we put our favorite Chardonnay blend down back down to bottle with yeast and um, sugar and let it ferment again in the bottle. And um, I think this wine has a lot of bright vibrancy, freshness, and acidity, which Tom is referring to in the color and, and the youthfulness of the wine, but also a fair amount of creaminess and complexity that you get for six-plus years of aging in the bottle. And that time on the, on the lees starts about eight to ten months in because you get no autolysis for eight months mm-hmm. in most cases, sometimes ten months. Wait a Geek alert. What was that word you just Autolysis, said? which means that the, the, the yeast is beginning to break down. Autolysis? Aut, A-U-T-O-L-I-Y-S. 
S I S. One of my favorite bands playing tonight at Hot Monk in Nevada. That's our new band. He gets me every time. I really think that this is a product that most people don't know how much it costs to make. You're talking time here. Six years on the lees. I mean, that is, you know, that you've invested the money six years earlier, and you're not making a nickel until you release it. So, Yeah, tricky. making sparkling wine is definitely a game of patience, and that's why I think some of these great houses, it just takes a long time to get to this quality level of, like, the vineyards need to be planted, and they need to grow up and mature, and you need to understand which of the blocks are producing the best um, in the vineyard. And then you have to make the wine in years of experience making the wine. And then you need to age it for so long to really see where it's going. And so I think that's one of the things that makes Domain Carnero so special is not only have we been around since 1987 doing this, we have the Tattinger legacy helping guide us, especially in the early years, and Eileen, who when she started with us, had already had a decade of sparkling wine experience in California. The expertise of having to blend a wine, when do you pick these grapes? 22 degrees bricks? Even How? less than that, usually we're at like 18 to 20. So you're talking about a really tart Chardonnay. You're blending all of these wines. You're going to put it back in the bottle. You're going to add sugar and yeast and lay it in the bottle for seven years. And you're doing that blending today for seven years from now. When is that? 2028. <laughs> Hello. I hope I'm around for what you blended today. I can't wait to enjoy it with you in, uh, in another seven or eight years here. But This is the Crazy. second segment we've done today that required math, and I don't appreciate that. <laughs> what is math? Yeah. Which is worse, math or patience? Mm. <laughs> Domain Carneros is so gorgeous when you go visit. Tell everyone exactly how to get there and talk more about the chateau and everything that goes on there. Well, you probably can't miss us. We're right on the Carneros Highway. Many of you have been, and I'm sure if you haven't, you've driven by it. And you should come soon. Um, It's just a really beautiful place to be, whether you're tasting on our terrace overlooking the beautiful vineyards of the Carneros region, or you come inside and sit in our authentic French-style Chateau Salon and enjoy our experience. You're going to love it. We offer a lot of customization, which is really cool. So if you come to Domaine Carneros, you can choose your own flight. So it's kind of like pick your own adventure. And you can choose your own pairing. So you can add cheese plates, um, charcuterie plates that Tom mentioned. We've got salmon pairings, caviar pairings, and so you can really just enjoy your own experience. Or if you want to plan ahead, you can choose our bubbles and bites where we pair with different global cuisines and really showcase the versatility of sparkling wine, which we were talking about earlier. It pairs so well with so many different foods. It's great. And you folks are well known for Pinot's too. Yes, we are. TJ Evans is our Pinot Noir winemaker, and he's been with us since 2008. Um, And we like to say that he's a real geek about Pinot Noir. Um, So we make a lot of different Pinot Noirs. We make... um, single clone, single vineyard. I brought for you guys to try here our estate, which is really just an amazing representation of our estate vineyards, all sustainably farm, all our own estate vineyards, which is something else that really separates us. We farm all of our own vineyards, and we have six different estates in the Carneros. And this wine that TJ makes is a really great representation of the properties that we farm in Carneros, of the Carneros region in general, and what Pinot Noir can be in Carneros. Um, it has, like, all that beautiful fruit and berry fruit um, sp- and but it also is really complemented by a fair amount of spice and earthiness so it really has everything that a Pinot Noir, Pinot Noir lover loves mm. I'm pouring the uh, the table here 
<laughs> this is our 2018 estate Pinot, an epic vintage. Wow. Yeah. How the about nose, that? Dan, the nose on this. Stick your nose in there, dude. <laughs> Boy, it's got it's got both the richness as well as the Pinot Noir uh, distinctiveness in one quick sniff, and I haven't had a chance to Wow, really, yeah. that nose is something. Safe to say it's Cherries. Not I didn't hear any weird noises. <laughs> <laughs> mm. All of a sudden, the table's quiet. Good. You know what I mean? Whoa. Made up for that's great radio. That's, yeah. that's, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I mean, great radio, but it's great wine. I'm going to make an interesting observation. You can correct me if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, I'm happy to accept my uh, inexactness. But somebody had the right decision here to pick earlier. Mm-hmm. This wine is a miracle in a certain way because 18 was relatively cool. But if you waited an extra week, you could have made a huge mistake. This mm-hmm. was picked earlier than that week. Yeah, well, I think it's two things. Pinot Noir in general is all about balance, and it's a really delicate balance with Pinot Noir because you want enough richness and concentration that it has the wow factor that we're all experiencing with this wine. But you still want Pinot Noir to be ethereal and elegant. Um, And I think TJ really, really nailed it with this wine. And, uh, yeah, we do have a sparkling house mentality. So we, I would say, pick a little on the early side. We appreciate acidity and minerality and freshness and definitely, like, typicity of of the terroir. I could never identify this as a Carneros wine based on the last few vintages. Hmm. It's just fabulous wine. It's and you, you have your own still wine winemaker, correct? You have a yes. sparkling winemaker and a still winemaker? And yes. He, he is? TJ Evans. Yeah, right. so TJ has been our winemaker, our Pinot Noir winemaker since 2008, and he's really curated our style. And um, as I mentioned before, he really, he's very cerebral about the Pinot Noir, and he makes um, single vineyard, single clone Pinot Noirs. We make a wine called Famous Gate, which is um, really a connoisseur's wine. Maybe the next time I come on the show, I can bring that wine a little bit more earthiness, spiciness. It's swan selection-based in the vineyard. Um, This wine that we're trying has a really fun balance of heritage clones of California selections as well as French selections of Pinot Noir. Um, So you just really get a lot of complexity. There's a lot to talk about in this wine. And a lot of people don't really understand that Caneros was like the hot only place to grow Pinot Noir. The cold only place. Really? really. (laughs) Back before Russian River was Russian River and Sonoma Coast was Sonoma Coast, Petaluma Get. I mean, Caneros, the Caneros Quality Alliance, kind of started it, the whole Pinot Noir thing up here in Northern California. What's the retail price on this, Remy? This is 44 it's a bargain. Worth every penny. <laughs> it's a, it is. absolutely a bargain. I wrote down six really good wines. Oh, I'm glad you guys like it. We have wines for $60, too, that you can uh, buy. Don't worry about it. It's DomainCarneros.com. D-O-M-A-I-N-E. $60. Carneros. C-A-R-N-E-R-O-S. Uh, wow. Yeah, this is a this is d- absolutely delicious. It's You know, it's it's... Full flavored and feminine at the same time. It's got this finesse. Well, the secret, I think the secret to this wine is the fact that the oak that was used was done so carefully that there's no oak noticeable and it will be there as a support base when this wine is 10 years old. 
Yeah. Well, I think it's what, interesting what you said, Dan, about a couple of our wines now. And I think when people ask me what's the perfect wine or what you know what do you strive for as a producer, it's that seamlessness of all the flavors. Um, in terms of when you were saying we were talking about the wine and the sweetness in terms of the the dosage level on the sparkling, that it really was like you you wouldn't think that oh this wine is sweet. It's just that the wine has the right balance, and there's like this seamlessness that goes from the beginning to the end, where yeah. the fruit, um, the in the case of the sparkling wine, the bubbles, the yeastiness, the creaminess, the toastiness, the little touch of sweetness, they all become one experience. And in the case of the Pinot Noir, you're not getting like only fruit or only spice or only non-fruited characters or only oak. It's this like seamless experience from start I, to finish. I think the most impressive. Uh, aspect of this particular wine is the fact, and just for me personally, is that Carneros has been so on the edge of warmness over the last two or three vintages, including 18, which was actually relatively cool. But we have finally seen that early harvesting does have a way of mitigating some of the problems we're having with global warming. Yes, I think that's important to be willing to pick early. Um, that acidity, to me, makes a wine in general. And maybe that's because I am such a bubblehead um, that I you know, love the acid in wine. But I do think that that, I even when I was a, um, working for Cabernet House, I loved working there because it was a Cabernet House that liked to pick early, that liked the minerality, that liked the acidity in the wine. Um, that's something that I find really valuable. Um, and I think our vineyard manager, so our vineyards are actually run by T.J. Evans, our winemaker as well, um, our Pinot Noir winemaker. He also oversees the vineyards with Alberto Zamora, and they have a lot of techniques that they use to protect the fruit in the warmer days as we're experiencing some climate change. Now, well, Remy, as someone who travels between Sonoma and Napa a lot, I always feel empathy for those folks who are trying to get off of Duhigg Road and <laughs> on to Highway 12. Yeah. Have you guys got a traffic light out there yet? <laughs> we're trying. I think we would if the county would let us, if Caltrans <laughs> would let us. Um, so just write a letter to Caltrans. Tell them that you want a light there. <laughs> that won't work. Nope. No, that won't work. So Barry Herbst, Bottle Barn, uh, the Domain Carneros uh, Pinots. I'm sure you guys have a lot yeah, of those. Yeah, I always forget which. We've rotated them over the, I think it might be the famous gate that's available retail. I'm not 100% sure that. We always have one, and they seem to, or this yeah, one. Usually the estate, yeah. Yeah. Oh, the estate Pinot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely have one there right now, and then the This rosé. would be a perfect Thanksgiving wine. You know, another thing about this wine, it's an 18, and for me, 18s are still young, mm -hmm. but this wine is showing so well. I mean, you decant this, and it'll really be perfect for Thanksgiving. I mean, it'll handle the whole turkey, the cranberry sauce, the gravy, the works. Pretty showy I, right That now. is a beautiful, showy wine, again, in a, in a very balanced, wonderful way. Thank you. Last several vintages for Pinot Noir in California have been really good. But sometimes some of the Pinots, I mean, they're trying to be Syrah or something. I, it just that, to me, that that drives me crazy. I mean, let Pinots shine. Let the varietals shine. I think there's been a little correction. I don't know, Barry. Maybe you know that producers are really kind of backing off on oh, that super opulent style definitely. of Pinot and Chardonnay, for that matter. Yeah, you know, a lot of the guys that were famous for making that really heady style that were maybe accused of even blending some Syrah and have definitely rolled back. We've seen the alcohol numbers coming back a little bit and um, guys that have the flexibility are going to cooler sites too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, 
definitely it's going that direction. Sure. This one's only 14.2 alcohol. And, I mean, I'm saying only, but, you know, in these days, 14.2 alcohol is on the lighter side. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, to get through a Thanksgiving dinner with my family, it's going to need to be stronger than that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, send you a, we'll send you a magnum. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and just give every member at the dinner at least two big glasses. Yes. And just tell them to go for it. Well, that, that's the problem with Le Rev. You've got to get two or three bottles. When you start pouring it, people go like, oh, can I have more of that? Can I have a little more of that? This yeah, is delicious, this Pinot. We're wrapping up California Wine Country for this week. A reminder again, uh, our California Wine Country podcast for every episode after all these years, available at calwinecountry.com. It is California Wine Country. Barry Herbst is here, the wine buyer from Bottle Barn. It is all brought to you by Bottle Barn. Tom Semino. And Dan Berger, Tom brought in uh, Remy Cohen, CEO of Domain Carneros today. Wonderful stuff, Tom. Rap. Yeah, let me just say. I don't say, mean rap like. Uh, well, I, you know what I mean. With a W, not let, an R. Let me just yeah. tell you where you can buy Semino. If you're in Healdsburg, you can go to Big John's. And if you're in Santa Rosa, you can get it over at Bottle Barn. There you go. The award winning Semino Wines. Uh, <laughs> all right. Can you plug Domain Carneros now? They're right next to <laughs> Listen, you. Listen, man, uh, I'm, I'm following Remy back there tonight to try some more of this La Rev. I think I made some new friends today with uh, the Domain Carneros wine, so I'm excited to see you all at the Chateau sometime soon. Again, DomainCarneros.com. You really owe it to yourself and your friends and family to, uh, to visit and check out the Chateau and everything around it. It's a gorgeous place. You have to make reservations? Yes, it yeah. is by appointment only, so just go on our website and click on visit, and then you can choose if you want to just reserve your tasting that I was explaining earlier, or you want to book an elevated experience with food and wine pairing. We've got everything for you, so come on by. All right, Dan, last thoughts. Uh, Domain Carneros is one of the uh, heroic wineries, uh, survivor of uh, the Carneros experience, and I think the most important thing about What's going on there is that they tend to fly under the radar. I don't understand why. You know, your your image with those of us in, in the industry is absolutely top quality, but for some reason you're not really flying out there as the number one. But this La Rev is really out there as the one of the most exciting wines being made in, in the sparkling community. And then this Pinot Noir is killer for – I mean, I wrote down $60 and it turns out to be 44 Excuse me, I'm the – I'm a buyer. <laughs> if you want to give her 60, Dan, she'll take 60 for it. Exactly. Cash on the barrel head. Mm. Well, Remy Cohen, CEO, Domain Carneros. Amazing stuff. It was a great segment today. Again, you can uh, hear our podcast at calwinecountry.com. Thanks to Barry Herbst and Bottle Barn for bringing you this segment for the last 14 years. Dan, what are we doing next week? Next week is Catherine Blagden from Blagden Wines from Sonoma County. And Hmm. it's uh, it's a new property that very few people have heard about. And I discovered them a few weeks ago. And we got Catherine scheduled. And it's going to be exciting. Okay. That is next Wednesday on California Wine Country. Uh, Remy Cohen, CEO of Domain Carneros, uh, thank you. Uh, great to see you, and we appreciate all the great stuff you've brought in and how cool you've been on, on the show. 
Thank you. It's been great to be here with all these legends. I'm really uh, having an amazing time. <laughs> and me. Don't look yeah, at me. No, don't <laughs> look at me now. When you say legends, don't look at me or Harry. You can look at the wall. He's a legend. All right. Uh, thank you, everybody. Tom, as Adios. always. Right. Yep. And we'll see you uh, uh, in November. You'll be doing your uh, pre-Thanksgiving thing. Actually, I'm, I'm not going to be on in November. I'm going to be coming back with my wines of the year in December. Oh, okay. So I'm taking a month off. Uh, you know, retirement. I'm trying to... <laughs> scale back hello and uh but i'll see you december 15th for the wines of the year show